0: Welcome to worship at Seattle Mennonite Church this morning. We acknowledge that we are gathering on the traditional territory of indigenous peoples, and here in Seattle, that is the Duwamish tribe, the unceded lands of the Duwamish tribe. We affirm that settlers, most of us in this congregation, have specific responsibilities in the journey of reconciliation with indigenous people. As a congregation, we contribute real rent to the Duwamish, And many of our households in our congregation are also real renters. We give thanks to the creator and to the peoples who have stewarded this land for generations. And we're grateful for the opportunity to live and work and worship here. We witness to the reconciling movement of the spirit and we seek to live in right relationship with our indigenous neighbors and with all of creation. After this past year of isolation and separation, we still trust that the Holy Spirit is moving and weaving us together as a community. We claim this time, of physical distance with intention, not simply as something to endure, but as something that we're experiencing together. That's something that we share as a congregation. For this time of Lent, we'll be hearing stories of repentance and rejoicing and repair Today, we're going to hear the call of Jesus for repentance with some urgency and a tender story of a gardener who asks for patience so that a tree can be restored to fruitfulness. And we'll hear Jesus both raging at Herod, who he calls a fox, and lamenting and comparing himself to a cooing and doting mother bird over the wayward city, Jerusalem. Our gathering song is from Voices Together. It's a new song. And Michael has a few words of introduction for us.
1: So this song is from our new hymnal. And it was a new song to me. But I really liked, uh, I really liked the lyrics, um, especially. And at a time when there's maybe some lack of clarity in how we make decisions as a church family, this song asks us, can we sing together? And I especially like the, if you look down at the third stanza, it's in the line, you know, my words will be imperfect, but I'll try, bringing my assumptions to the light, and then, difference is is a place where God is found. In seeking peace, we're walking onto holy ground. That just meant a lot to me, um, as we try to work together as as a family. So, yeah, we can play it.
2: I will sing with you, my family Will you sing with me? I will sing with you, my family you my neighbor will you sing with me my words will be imperfect but I'll try bringing my assumptions to the light I'll pray God I surrender bring us together We'll sing our song together, whether two or three. Jesus feels our pain, He sets us free. The Spirit's given us this song of hope to sing. God, we surrender. together
0: Invite you to join in speaking the response to this call to worship. Pastor Megan will lead the yellow responses. Mm-hmm. If you are delighted to be here and if you are tired or troubled,
3: you are welcome.
0: If your faith is strong and if your faith is battered and frail, you are welcome. If you are eager to praise God And if you need to be quiet, you are welcome. God welcomes us all to worship today and promises to meet us here. Before I move on to the peace candle, I will note for those who are newly joining us, you might be noticing closed captions. This is new. You can turn those off if you don't want them to the, the, The bar at the bottom will have a little square that has a CC and says live transcript, and you can see the settings there. We light our just peace candle again this week and all weeks to notice that we both witness to and participate in God's vision for a just peace for all of creation. Today, I name and pray for and hold the people of Syria. Though we no longer have a president who is blatant in his disregard for human life, we still do live in an empire that prizes violence as a solution to the world's problems. A government who considers bombs an appropriate way of solving conflict and who considers 17 human lives appropriate losses. God have mercy. May we continue to live and work and pray for a just peace for all our siblings around the world. And together we pray, We long for a just peace, we pray for a just peace, and we choose to live for a just peace. Peace be with you all. And also with you. (laughs) In the story that we're going to hear from the Bible today, uh, we're going to hear Jesus call people to turn toward loving and caring behavior to turn toward empathy. Jesus wanted people to be people, to be fully human, but part of being human means that we make mistakes. We make mistakes and we have a huge capacity to love and to make up for our mistakes. So our children's time today is called, being here, it's called, I am human. And uh, one of the things that we'll notice when we read this story together <clears throat> is that when we make mistakes, we can say, I'm sorry. And part of Lent is saying, I'm sorry, to saying to God and to each other, I'm sorry. And then choosing to act in ways that show our love and care for each other. So this story is called I Am Human. And it's by Susan Verdi, And the art is by Peter Reynolds. And I've read some of these books before. Um, These two, the author and the illustrator have a couple of other books about what it means to be loving humans to each other. I was born a miracle, one of billions, but unique. I am human. I am always learning, noticing. Caterpillar and a butterfly, and I bet some of you already know the caterpillars turn into butterflies. I'm finding my way and choosing my path on an incredible journey. I have big dreams. I see possibility. I have endless curiosity. I make discoveries. I have a feeling of wonder. I am amazed by nature. I have a playful side. I find joy in friendships. I am human. But being human means I am not perfect. I make mistakes. And I'm noticing this friend is looking very angry and upset. I can hurt others with my words, my actions, and even my silence. I can be hurt too. Mm. This friend's body language, the way they have their body really makes me think that they're feeling very sad. I can be fearful of things I don't yet understand and timid to try something new. Timid means a little bit shy, a little bit scared. I have a heavy heart when I feel sadness. I am human. And then I remind myself that because I am human, I can make choices. Oh, I wonder what choice this friend is going to make. I can move forward. A poor choice can become a better choice with thoughtfulness. And a bad day can become a great day with kindness. We can imagine what the words these two friends might be that they're sharing with each other. They were both feeling hurt. And maybe they're both feeling timid. Now we know that word, timid. But they're sharing something with each other. I can act with compassion and lend a helping hand. I can treat others with equality and be fair. I can choose not to fight, but to listen and find common ground. I can say, I'm sorry, and ask for forgiveness. I am human, one of billions, but unique. I am not alone. I am connected to my friends, to my family, to the world. We are all humans together. When I look at this picture, I wonder if one of these small faces is the friend that we've been looking at in this whole book. I haven't looked for them. I wonder if one of those faces looks like me or looks like you. I will keep trying to be the best version of me. I am full of hope. I
4: This is a scripture reading from Luke 13. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here for three years i have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and still i find none cut it down why should it be wasting the soil the gardener replied sir let it alone for one more year around it and put manure on it if it bears fruit next year well and good but if not you can cut it down then some pharisees came and said to him Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me, Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God.
0: Throughout Lent, we'll have an opportunity to be reflective, to turn inward uh, and examine our own hearts. And... uh, to invite exactly that kind of relationship that we heard about in the time with children, uh, a saying, I'm sorry, to at least before God in the presence of our community, Uh, and then to receive the assurance of God's love following our confession. So uh, your only response is forgive us, and uh, Pastor Megan will speak those words on our behalf. God, whose arms are always open and welcome, we turn to you in repentance. When we seek to blame without examining our own hearts, forgive us. When we are impatient and treat relationships like transactions, forgive us. When we turn away from you, though you long to gather us in, Forgive us. Repair what has been broken in us. And with your help, may we seek to repair the brokenness that we cause. Receive these words of assurance. The God who welcomes with open arms rejoices in our homecoming. Receive the assurance and joy of God's constant love.
3: I am grateful to Mitzi J. Smith, who's a professor of New Testament at Columbia Theological Seminary in Decatur, Georgia, for pointing me in engaging this text from Luke, pointing me towards the importance of collective lament. Collective lament, Professor Smith writes, is an appropriate and necessary response of a people or nation burdened with a history of social injustice, poverty, oppression, murder, and the privileging of lies over truth that bleeds into its present. And certainly these things bleed into our collective present thinking just of Amy's prayer for a just peace for the people of Syria whom we have bombed and killed. Truth telling as a component of collective or individual lament precedes and is required for healing, she writes. We actually need that truth telling, that lament in order to walk the path of full healing and to progress toward a just, equal and equitable society and nation. I recognize even in speaking this words that my goodness, we have just started in such a heavy place. It feels so heavy and yet... I am reminded that this is actually hopeful. This is a hope-filled posture that we can take as a people. And I was, in fact, reminded by a long time ago friend and author, Austin Channing Brown. Many of you have read her book, I'm Still Here. And we also featured one of her sermons in our summer series this past summer. She posted this week on Instagram a little excerpt from her book, Uh, reminding me that she had written, for only by being truthful about how we got here can we begin to imagine another way. And so I think the posture of this truth-telling is a hope-filled one. It's one that propels us into even being able to imagine what the new, more equitable, more just way might be. Professor Smith notes in this text from Luke that we just heard from Mike that Jesus tells the truth. He tells the truth a number of times. He tells the truth about Pilate's violence against the people. He tells the truth about Herod's true nature, that fox, he calls him. He tells the truth about Jerusalem's violence against its prophets and against the messengers of God that have been sent over and over to Jerusalem. Jesus tells the truth. And he tells that truth to precede and to be part of his lament, his genuine lament. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing? I hear Jesus's lament, his truth telling. And his lament and i think i want to be willing (laughs) i want to be willing that's that is my deepest desire i want to be willing to be gathered under the mother hen's wings we are in the season of lent and jesus has set his face toward jerusalem toward this jerusalem toward The Jerusalem that kills the prophets and messengers sent to it. Jesus has set his face toward and is walking toward that Jerusalem. And we already know, because these stories are familiar to us, we already know that a mob will insist that he, Jesus, be lynched lynched as james cone has rightly taught us to understand that death we already know that civil and religious authorities will together sanction that lynching driven by lies and hate and power professor smith continues those two authorities the religious and the civil authorities will collude to destroy a perceived threat, Jesus, and or to satiate a deluded and gullible constituency. Not unlike the collusion of religious and civil authorities that we witnessed on January 6th this year at our own U.S. Capitol and the satiating of a delusional and gullible constituency. God have mercy on us. Truth telling and lament are necessary for our path to healing and being able to live into that imagined future, being able to live into God's full desire for us to be a people of the liberating way of Jesus. So this morning, I am going to offer some truth telling and lament for us as Mennonites. And I'm going to do that by sharing significant chunks of an article written by Joanna Lawrence Shank, who is one of the pastors at First Mennonite Church in San Francisco, that she wrote for the most recent copy of Anabaptist World, which is the new publication um, that is the combined the Mennonite and uh, Mennonite World Review. So there were two publications formally, they combined into this Anabaptist World, and we're now I don't know, months, are we close to a year into this new publication? So in this most recent um, uh, publication, Joanna Lawrence Schenck wrote Beggars and Saints. And she wrote an article about my, one of my professors and mentors, Vincent Harding, brother, Dr. Vincent Harding. And I'm just going to read portions of this as part of our truth telling and lament as people who understand ourselves to be Mennonites. In July of 1967, Vincent Harding, a black Mennonite and colleague of Martin Luther King Jr. in the Southern Freedom Movement gave two provocative speeches at the eighth Mennonite World Conference. It was an assembly in Amsterdam. In 1967. He was one of the few non-white participants and one of a very few people of color who spoke from this stage. In The Beggars Are Marching, Where Are the Saints? Harding asked Mennonites, Christians, people who love humanity, where are we? If Jesus is our guide to life, where are we? Are Mennonites marching with the revolutionary beggars in the streets, he asked? Or are we, quote, huddled behind the barricades of the status quo, praying the storm will soon be over so that life can continue undisturbed? I haven't read the whole comment, but I see Sarah Oyer was there at this Mennonite World Conference How wonderful. Perhaps during fellowship time, we can hear a story from you, Sarah. In 2021, Joanna writes, this question still rings true as we encounter the deadly upheaval of the COVID-19 pandemic and with the glaring economic disparities it has exacerbated, along with the surge in far-right domestic terrorism. This is a moment that demands societal transformation, not a return to business as usual. This is a moment to turn away from an exploitative economic system and lethal white supremacy. This is a moment for revolutionary movement, much like the situation in the 1960s. Four months prior to the Mennonite World Conference Assembly in Amsterdam, Harding had penned another speech that sent shockwaves through the nation, and many of you have heard this speech. That speech was called Beyond Vietnam, A Time to Break Silence, delivered by Martin Luther King Jr. on April 4, 1967 at Riverside Chapel in New York City. King asked Harding to draft the speech because he knew that they were of the same mind about the war in Vietnam. And I know from Vincent Harding that he really pushed King on this. It was a controversial position for King to take and Harding really urged him to get vocal about the Vietnam War. Harding understood his pastoral heart for the nation and King's calling out of racism, militarism, and materialism, he called the giant triplets, and materialism, of course, being capitalism, put him at odds with many of his former allies, and public opinion turned against him. A few months after the speech, and I've never heard this story before, King called up Harding and said, Vincent, you see what kind of trouble you got me into? The power of the beyond Vietnam speech echoes through Harding's addresses to the global Anabaptist body gathered in Amsterdam. With historical clarity and prophetic urgency, he called on Mennonites to take seriously the anger of revolutionary movements around the world and to understand the complicity of white Western Christians in the suffering that sparked the revolution. In his second speech at Mennonite World Conference Assembly, and this one was titled, The Peace Witness and Modern Revolutionary Movements, Harding said that before Mennonites judged the violent tactics of the Black Power Movement, or the National Liberation Front of South Vietnam, or the revolutionary movements in Peru and Colombia, Mennonites needed to go and spend at least six months with those revolutionaries. Mennonites needed to hear their deepest concerns, learn what it felt like to have one's back up against the wall, and then decide if the peace witness had anything to offer. What is our peace witness, Harding asked when we live as citizens of the nations that make peaceful revolution impossible. We cannot escape such questions by saying that we do not believe in violence, when we participate in the violence of the status quo. Along with King, Harding was deeply committed to nonviolence and wanted to see Mennonites take it seriously or stop claiming it. Mennonites, Mennonites, how often have I desired to gather you together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. I want to be willing. Picking up again in the truth telling and lament. As a historian and a pastor, Vincent Harding understood the impacts of the persecution and violence Mennonites had experienced. He understood that being the quiet in the land, as Mennonites traditionally referred to themselves as, das Stille im Land, being the quiet in the land kept Mennonites safe as did obeying the powers that be. They saw whiteness, Harding wrote, as a protection from conflict and confusion and difficulties, and chose not to come out from under that protection. Harding understood all this and he expected more. He was calling Mennonites to integrity in their peace witness He expected that the persecution European descent Mennonites had experienced would compel them to come alongside their black sisters and brothers in the freedom struggle. He expected it could help them to come alongside the many revolutionary movements around the world. This was the challenge he posed at the Mennonite World Conference Assembly in Amsterdam. But generally that was not the response from white Mennonites. And this I got to experience really personally from Harding, his his sorrow and his lament and his disappointment. There were outliers who got involved in the Southern Freedom Movement, but by and large, white Mennonites and Mennonite institutions stayed on the sidelines. Whew, truth-telling. If you believe in peace, he said over and over again, you need to be in the streets. You need to put your bodies on the line like Jesus and like your Anabaptist forebears. He called for systemic change at a time when the Mennonite church could only accept him as, quote, their Negro. He was allowed to be present, but was not allowed to set the agenda since his perspective was, quote, too radical. As Harding's Black consciousness deepened, he recognized the dangers of being somebody's Negro. He felt it was important for him to move more deeply into Black community spaces. Among Mennonites, there was no space for him to explore his Black identity. He knew that some Mennonites experienced this as rejection. While they were also while they also were unaware of how Mennonite identity at that time was steeped in whiteness. Harding reflected, I had to depend on the fact that those with whom I had really developed a deep, personal, loving connection would understand, and would not feel that they had to keep some kind of grip on me. After King's assassination, Coretta Scott King asked Harding to become the first director of the King Memorial Center in Atlanta. And soon after accepting that role, he also founded the Institute of the Black World, an organization committed to creating and defining the field of Black studies. In this leadership role, he brought together diverse Black scholars, artists, writers, and organizers who often were not in agreement with each other, but this was not a cause of concern, Harding knew relating across differences was the crucible for transformation. Mennonites, Mennonites, how often have I desired to gather you together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. I want to be willing a final section of truth telling what needs to be burned away joanna lawrence shank asks would harding be deterred harding has now died may he rest in power and rest in peace would harding be deterred by the sober realities we're facing today joanna asks I don't think so. I agree with her. (laughs) I think he would be grieved and angry, but not surprised, she writes. As a historian, he knew intimately the capacity of white supremacy to terrorize. His words from 2011 ring true in light of the recent violent takeover of the US Capitol building. Quote, the fear that is deeply ingrained now in white America is the fear of not being able to set the agenda anymore and having to work out some kind of collaboration, real collaboration, that would require everybody to make adjustments. The Mennonite institutions of the 1960s were not willing to make those adjustments. The white supremacist Christianity of the United States, which carries a cross, a gallows and a Confederate flag is also not willing to make those adjustments. So where are we, Mennonite Christians? Joanna asks. If Jesus is our guide to life, where are we? Are we now able to rise with the revolutionary beggars? Or are Mennonites of European descent and Mennonite institutions still hiding behind the barricades of the status quo? Whew. The essence of nonviolent struggle at its best, Harding said, is seeking to transform our ways of thinking so that not only may the structures of oppression go up in flame, but our own internal structures of oppression need to be set on fire as well. What needs to be burned away among Mennonites so that we can heed Vincent Harding's enduring call to follow Jesus? The beggars are marching, Harding preached in 1967 to the Mennonites in Amsterdam, and Christ is in their midst. Mennonites, Mennonites, how often have I desired to gather you together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing I've said it multiple times now this morning. I want to be willing. I don't I don't know that I can claim that I am because wow, it's hard work, but I want to be willing. I desire to be willing and I know you all and I know you all well enough to know that y'all want to be willing to, want to be willing to be gathered under Jesus's mother hen wings. It is hard and it's a constant struggle to do the truth telling and collective lament that is necessary for the path of healing to be a people of the liberating way of Jesus. But we can do it. We want to be willing and that desire may just carry us through. May we then, Mennonites, Mennonites, may we grow and grow and grow in our willingness as through truth-telling and lament and courage, we find our way to our mother hen Jesus' wings. May it be so.
1: Our hymn of response is, I believe, a new one to most of us. Um, It's actually a French song, uh, originally, which we will sing in English. because my French, even though my mother's French, is not that great. Um, But I really like the the words to it. And um, it seems appropriate, the very last line there that says, your word is a breaking, like the offering of bread. Your word is a beacon to a safe path ahead. Um, Actually, I wanted to go back to your word is a murmuring of a love secret ways. Your word is a wounding, giving birth to new days. And I think the, the sermon to me talked about in some ways when we, when we as Mennonites or Christians or wherever, it feels like a wounding sometimes when God is dealing with us and when we have to change. And yet it's a beacon to us to a safe path ahead. And uh, I just wanted to acknowledge that Lisa um, sings with me on these recordings that I've been doing. And uh, Mark Hartman, a friend of mine, plays um, violin on this, on this song. And there's a, if you'll notice down, there's a musical interlude in between um, the chorus and the verse each time. And then uh, harmony wise, uh, each time the chorus comes around, I add a layer of harmony. So if you wanna sing harmony along, it will be there for you.
2: Love forms a a safe path ahead as a sigh great with yearning god your word comes upon us as the clay shapes in turning holy love forms among us
0: Friends, we are a congregation who blesses. And that has not changed with quarantine. What has changed, however, is that our little ones and our young people continue to grow. Our babies will no longer be babies when we gather back together, and our teens will have gained independence in ways that they did not have. Before and even now, in our congregation, our intention is still to bless the shifts and transitions of the in the lives of folks in our congregation. And two young people in our faith family have recently reached and marked a significant moment in their lives. They have received their driver's licenses, and they're beginning to navigate the world in a new way. So we want to bless this new and, at least for parents, scary step and we want to honor this as something bigger than just driving the way that all the ways that youths are increasing in their independence and in the many and varied ways that they're going to be moving about in the world and moving their bodies from place to place often on their own or with friends so this is a moment faith community when we have the opportunity to remember the commitment that we make to families, when these children are just infants. And in this case, I think both of these young people were blessed in this congregation as infants. Families, you can nod at me if that's true. Uh, And and we're renewing our vow to our children this day and to these families, the same vow that we make to babies. So Zoe and Annika are our new drivers and we're going to spotlight your families your kitties maybe a dog maybe we'll see as a dog no nope no dog <laughs> just a family that's great hello uh zoe and annika i encourage you to to actually keep your screens on gallery so that you can see your whole congregation if you want to make that change because we're going to be blessing you <laughs> Um, and Nancy and Ron and Rick and Emily, encourage you, you're sitting snuggled right up together so we can see you, but you can put a hand on your daughters to bless them. You can be the hands of your congregation today. So family of faith, I will be inviting you into blessing. And if you would like to, this is the same thing we did when we blessed our babies earlier. The ASL sign for blessing is simply to have your hands together and then spread them out. Like we're just spreading blessing. you all. So when I invite you, when I, when we make this commitment to bless, we can all bless Zoe and Anika. So family of faith, I'm going to ask you a question and you will respond with your blessing. Family of faith, do you commit to walking in the way of Jesus, living lives of justice, peace, and compassion? Do you commit to loving Zoe and Ani as beloved daughters of God and of this congregation and prayerfully supporting their parents as well? And do you pledge your active support of these two young women who are growing in independence as they face times of ease and difficulty, joy and sorrow, growth and frustration, and even a little fender bender? If so, I invite you to make this sign of blessing. Now, Zoe and Annika, you each received a little silver keychain. If you have that with you, you can hold on to it. Um, that little silver keychain that, that we're sharing, well, we can see Ani's, that's okay. Uh, that little silver keychain has a little logo of our congregation. And I love our logo because it's the sign of a bird being held, a bird being held and cared for, a symbol of the love of God for this congregation and for each of you. So as you, every time you see that little picture of being held, you can remember God's love for you and the love of this congregation. And so we bless you. Ani and Zoe, may you be blessed with fun and adventure and a growing sense of independence. May you be blessed with safety and attentiveness and a whole trunk load of good judgment on the literal and figurative road. We celebrate each of you, Annika and Zoe. We thank God for each of you. And we ask for God's blessing on all of your travels. Congregation, I invite you again to bless. Let's see all of the blessings of your community. You have your keychains and this is a gift that you may carry with you, a reminder of God's constant care and each of you, I know, have one of these devices and can carry your whole congregation with you. We have an app that has our whole congregation. It's called, this is, a, this is just a reminder for everybody that it's called Courtyard App. And our directory, every single one of those people is ready to be a supportive person to you and to your families, wherever you go. We make a serious commitment to the young people in our congregation, and we will be there anytime and we will show up. So go with God for you cannot go where God is not. And now we can unspotlight you and will not be under the gaze of your community anymore, but you will be under our care.
3: Anytime, day or night, give me a call. If you just can't call your parents, my number's in the directory. You got it in your phone. bless you both I hear that Ani actually I hope this Ani got your um, I don't know when Zoe got it which day but Ani got it I think the day before the snowstorm so like just really poorly timed so that you couldn't immediately go out on a joy ride (laughs) I hope you've had a chance to each like drive on your own since then and experience the fun and, and joy of that bless you both I will be leading our time of prayer together this morning, and I do invite you, if you have any individual petitions or prayers that you would like named aloud, you may put those in the chat box, and I will include those in our prayers today. Let us pray together. (sighs) Brooding God, call us and gather us to yourself. When we need shelter, keep us safe under your soft wing. When we are longing for love, hide us near to your heart. When we are tender, hold us close. We bring our prayers to you, brooding God, with trust that you will receive them with love. Even as we rejoice each new beloved who receives their vaccine and a new vaccine approved this week, hooray. We mourn a million dead in our country and approaching 5,000 in our state of Washington. Almost none of us have been untouched in some way by this virus and its harm. God, have mercy on us, each one. Carry us through. With Christian Peacemaker teams, we pray for Turtle Island and specifically for the safety of the howden land defenders who are vulnerable to attacks from the Ontario Provincial Police. We pray for a change in heart of the police, courts, and developers. We pray for an end to the criminalization of indigenous land defenders and a willingness on the part of our US and Canadian federal governments to engage in nation to nation dialogue with indigenous land defenders. We offer prayers of deep gratitude for the beautiful staff of the Oaks Shelter, who gathered all together this past week for the first time, for training and for community building. We are blessed by a group of nearly 30 folks who are ready and eager to join with us and with Lake City Partners Ending Homelessness to care for and companion folks who will be moving off the streets and into the 24-7 supportive shelter. Thanks be to you, O God, for this humbling abundance. We hold in our prayer the leadership of Camp Camrick, especially as they discern possible programming for this coming summer. May Daryl Ness, the executive director, and the board, the board, and the program committee specifically be guided by wisdom as they seek to make good decisions for our Washington Mennonite Fellowship community. Turning now to the prayers and our chat box. We, along with Via, pray for her cousin's 16-year-old daughter just diagnosed with metastatic melanoma. God have mercy. With Jennifer Delante, prayers of comfort for her Aunt Sue and cousin Andy, whose husband and father, Larry Jones, passed away on Friday. As a boy growing up in Lake City in the 1940s and 50s, Uncle Larry enjoyed going to the movies where our sanctuary now sits. God be with you, Jennifer, and your family as you mourn. With Sylvia and Tim, we offer prayers and good thoughts. As Tim prepares for treatment of stage four esophageal cancer. Have I said that correctly? Cancer in the esophagus. Oh, God have mercy. And Tim gives thanks to all those of us who have sent best wishes and prayers. And with Ruth Ediger, thanks be to God for a first COVID shot for her mom last night. Indeed, thanks be to God. With Melissa, prayers for her Aunt Meddy's immediate and extended family. She was their matriarch and the glue on that side of Melissa's family. She passed peacefully Tuesday at the age of 89. God be with you and your family, Melissa, as you mourn. God of the garden, we are grateful for your patient tending and care. Nourish us with what we need to flourish. Be patient with us when we hurt or hesitate. Grow your love in us and all God's people together said and signed, amen.
0: We continue our worship in prayerful gratitude for the gifts that each of you in our community offer to this family of faith, both in the way you give your presence and your time and energy, and of course, in the way you give your money. And we're grateful that we have the opportunity to collect those gifts digitally. Our closing song is another new song to our hymnal, but not a new song to many of us. Uh, it is indeed a classic for some of us. But I'll let I'll let Mike, Michael introduce it.
1: Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Actually, I don't didn't realize I was going to introduce this. Um, it's an Amy Grant song, so I think that's why a lot of people will introduce it. And there's been a lot of talk about pe- people that are a little younger than me that used to to dance at the Amy Grant concerts and um so you know if you just can't help but dance that's okay anyway that's that's all I'd say it's it's a, it's a really beautiful song it's one of those it's it's from scripture and um in all seriousness um I've actually been singing it in my head quite a bit this week so
2: A lamp unto my feet And a light unto my path Thy word is a lamp unto my feet And a light unto my path When I feel afraid I think I've lost my way Still you're there right beside Nothing will I fear as long as you are near please be near me to the end thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I will not forget your love for me, and yet my heart forever is wandering. Jesus, be my guide, and hold me by your side. To my path and a light unto my path.
0: Receive this benediction. Let us leave this time of worship. Ready to turn our hearts toward God, to be fearless tellers of the truth, to lament what has been wrong, and ready to turn it right. Let us go longing for that truth and welcome back into God's embrace. Amen.